2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that in and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, here's what I want you to do. Commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach. Someone say teach. Teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, no one engages in warfare and tangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. And if anyone competes as an athlete, if anyone competes as an athlete, if anyone competes as, or <clears throat> my Bible says, in athletic or as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, unless he competes according to the rules. I'd like for you to say that with me, according to the rules. Uh-huh, one more time, let's say that, according to the rules. Uh, if you'd only give me maybe a few moments to that, let me, let me just encourage and teach and preach from the subject title, Playing in the Game of Life God's Way. Playing, I know that's kind of a tough, you know, two words to put together, but playing in the game of life God's way. Uh, I'd like for you to just tell somebody, just say the first part. Just look at somebody and say the first part. Say, playing in the game of life. Now you tell them backwards. Now you tell them backwards, God's way. Come on, tell them back, God's way. Now look at somebody else and say, neighbor, we're playing in the game of life. Uh-huh. Now you look back at him and say, God's way. Come on, take your seats in God's presence on this morning. Amen. Thank you, Brother Crawford. Thank you so very much. And God bless the men that are uh, working with the sound. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, Brother Crawford, thank you, sir. And uh, again, those that serve with the media. Um, wow. This is not an easy subject title because I don't often compare or equate or add words like games and playing in a sermon or in the church. In fact, I don't often use the word game in a sermon or in a church setting. But if the truth be told, um, in this life that we are all living, all right, in this life that we're all living, uh, it can often be compared to competing in some type of contest. We, we're, we're, we, you know, we, it, it is as if we are all competing in some type of contest or we are contending in some type of match, right? Would you all agree that if the truth be told, whether it's football Mm -hmm. As the youth are heading to teen church and youth church, God bless the youth of the city church and the youth workers of the city church, whether it's football or basketball or baseball, uh, maybe it's tennis. Any tennis fans in the room? Anybody play tennis or like watching tennis? Anybody? Okay, nobody? Okay, all right. Uh, bowling. Uh, anybody play spades? Okay, no, no, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, solitaire, chess, checkers, uh-huh, all right. PlayStation, Xbox, Minecraft, everybody's going to say something about Miss Pac-Man, I'm sure. That's the generation we come out of, all right? Uh, we all have been greatly involved with some type of game in life. Speaking of game, I think somebody on the drums are playing the game on their phone right now while I'm preaching, but, you know, I'm just, <laughs> see, he didn't even catch it, so I know. Oh, oh you got it. I'm right, just making sure you wake with me, man. Come on, clap your hands. Thank God for the baddest drummer on Metromont. He the baddest drummer on Metromont Parkway, 
All right, now, that was a joke, but the reality is there's three churches here, so you are better than that one and that one right there. Let me tell you right now. Now, hey, listen, hey, listen, 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 listen. Shh, shh, shh. Have y'all noticed, have y'all noticed the signage increase of the other churches? Ain't that something? You're talking about privilege. I mean, you're talking about, um, I mean, good, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Every Sunday, you know, they got more signs and bigger signs and more brighter signs. But you know what I told my wife today? I say, I'm not mad at it. Because Paul said in the gospel, whether it is for us or against us, the Bible says that the gospel is being elevated and preached and Christ gets glorified. So if we are provoking others to up their game, we're going to be praising you, the Lord. Right. All right. So 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 I'm just messing with you. I'm having a good time. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's get let's keep moving. So so we're all involved in the game. So speaking of games today, we, uh, tonight is Super Bowl. We all know that we're going to see the Super Bowl tonight. Um, but here's what's historic during this Black History Month celebration moment. You've got not one but two black quarterbacks, at least one and a half or one or two thirds. But. Close enough for me, but good enough back in 1600s in the Jim Crow days is good enough for us, right? So you got two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl on tonight, and it's a game that requires skill. Would you agree? It's a game that requires uh, precision, uh, fitness, athleticism, uh, and, and, and most of all, it's a game that requires decisions. I want to talk for a few moments today. You'll see where I'm going in a minute. Strategic strategy decisions and moves. Uh, but to me, I think what, what, what really makes the game and strategies to victory and, and success are three things that I'm going to bring out in a moment here. And, and let me just give you a head start. I hadn't planned to really get into your front, but I want to talk today maybe about time management. Because the best of these coaches, no matter what game, what area of sports, time management, have time adjustments and maybe even the best use of timeouts can determine the victor versus the loser. And no matter what, let me help some of you all, you all do realize it's not how you start, it's how you finish that matters. It's not how you start, it's how you finish that matters. Uh, if you don't believe me, ask our Atlanta Falcon friends in that halftime 28-3 score against the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. They were already popping champagne bottles. They were already getting their shirts ready and hats ready. And uh, old boy Tom Brady came back in the second half of that Super Bowl and beat them. So it's not how you start for some of you in the room who had a bad childhood, who've made some blunders and some rookie decisions in your life. It's not how you start this walk and this race. It's how you end up and how you finish that's really going to matter and what's really going to count. And so this game of life kind of came to a very surreal moment for many of us this year. When about a few weeks ago, this young man, DeMar Hamlin, falls dead on a football field on Monday Night Football for the world to see. Yeah, I, I just wonder if it had happened on a regular Sunday game, were there another 16 games going at the same time? You know, would, you know it, we, it may not have gotten there, but it had to happen on a Monday night for the world to see, right? And there for nine minutes, that's a long time. He laid there lifeless, breathless, dead on the field. If we have never, ever appreciated first responders, people in the healthcare medical emergency field, I think now we appreciate their presence 
in that arena. If we've never needed a miracle from God to be a very present help in the time of trouble, somebody talk to me, now has that time. And, and, and so when you look at these moments, we now realize this thing is real. And the ultimate game we will all play will have nothing to do with touchdowns and and, and, and field goals or, or, or three-pointers or, or, or grand slams and home runs. This game of life is the decisions of choices and decisions we all make concerning eternal salvation. Today, you and I have been invited to the greatest game of all. And I need to remind every one of you, it will be your choice decisions, your life's commitments that will determine how you live out on this earth what your next steps will be. Ephesians 5, you can just write it down. Ephesians 5. I'm so used to using my projectors, guys. We don't have projectors and LED walls and screens and all of that, but it is on the way. I want you to know I can't wait to you to see the scriptures and it, it can make us lazy somewhat, but at the same time, um, <laughs> you know, um, thank God for the peripherals and the need uh, for, uh, for help when it comes to searching for scripture. But for right now, Look in your Bibles and find Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. If you need the table of contents, you're in good company, all right? The Bible can be not an easy book to understand or read. And never feel embarrassed nor ashamed when you look in Ephesians chapter 5 for the scriptures. So Ephesians 5 and 8 reads this way. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, truth, finding out what the acceptable will or finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, right? Um, that may not kind of, you know, connect or relevant with you good, but let me read that again in the New Living Translation. Listen closely, listen closely. For you once were full of darkness. You may not want to wave your hand and say that's me, but we all were once full of darkness. But now you've been brought, you have light from the Lord. So live as light of people or live as people of light for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true carefully determine what pleases the Lord carefully determine listen to me closely carefully determine in your life what pleases the Lord I love what Ephesians 5 15 says if you keep reading Ephesians 5 15 it goes on to say this 15 to 16 be careful how you live uh, would you go ahead and put your elbow on somebody's side next to you and say neighbor be careful how you live be careful how you live if you can't get your elbow that close to him just look at him and say be careful how you live uh-huh don't live like fools but like those who are wise Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Um, uh, some of you are nodding just that fast. Well, I think you all would agree with me that we're living in evil days. And if you need a reminder of evil days, uh, let me draw you back to a week ago this tonight watching the Grammys. Now, I warned you last Sunday morning that the Grammys would be an all-out depiction of the world we live in. But it is as if sin can't get satisfied enough. It is as if the agendas can't get pushed enough. 
Uh, may I give you a little commentary? Is that okay? Whether you say yes or no, I'm going to give it to you anyway, because uh, I'm preaching, you're not. Now, uh, when you look back at the Grammys, now I know we've had Nas X and we've had some of these little raunchy and nasty nude, lewd, and cruise shows from time to time, but this Sam Smith guy, uh, uh, who, who, who refers to himself as they, by the way, they. So you can't call him a he and you can't call him a she. You have to call him a they. Well, I'm still going to call him what his biological body was intended by God. It's a boy or a he at this point of view. But what you may not know is he grew up in a Pentecostal church and he was a musician and a singer in the church who was who basically failed in life so this devil worshiping transgender Grammy Award Grammy presenting person had literally a devil worshiping satanic occult presentation for the world to see all right, we're not talking about it on some, some internet channel that very few people would see. We're talking about on the most watched show around the world. National, international. And it wasn't a little hint of this and maybe a little shade of that. It was for the world to see the entourage of transgender, the entourage and the horns and the red and the worship of Satan. The reference to Balenciaga, the company that recently had to repeal back from their agenda of pedophilia. You think you're just watching a little dance and a little show. There's an agenda in an undercurrent. And I know, listen, oh boy, listen, and I know we got a couple of folks. You know, it never fails. It never fails. We always got two or three in the room who says, can you just leave them alone? Well, you know, we tried to leave them alone. You wanted us to leave them alone 40 years ago when we started using the word homosexual and started dealing with two men and two women. Now the agenda is with children. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forget. I forget when I get off the stage. Let me get back on the stage. So now the truth of the matter is, now what's going to be next? Bestiality? What's going to be next? Your 10-year-old child? You had to worry about daycares and after-school programs and, and, and sanctioning and legislations of laws that say it's okay? All the while the church is quiet. May I remind you of what Paul said 2,000 years ago? Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks to him. And they became, and they became to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. Let me take a step further. Let's keep reading Romans 1, 28. And since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, they abandoned them in their foolish thinking, and God let them do things that they should never have been done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. May I keep reading? They are backsliders backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. No more in the closet. No, 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 no. They're not in the closet. Who, who's in the closet? Christians in the closet. We're the ones scared to say amen. We're the ones that are scared to stand up and say something. They come out of the closet, right? But let's keep reading. They, 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 they invent new ways of sinning. 
They disobeyed their parents. They refused to understand, break the promises and the heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Influencers. And you're yet saying, leave them alone. They ain't hard nobody. They all got, we all got children. No, we're not all God's children. We are all made by God, but you become a child of God when you make him your daddy and you become his son or his daughter. So quit telling a lie. We all got children. Quit telling people that because that's not the truth. You become a child when you make somebody your parent and you become their child. Now, we are all created by God, yes, but we ain't all his children. Just like you ain't got no kids knocking on your door saying, you my mama. I fed you one time, does not make me your mama. Now, going back home where you came from. Now, if you want me to adopt you as sons and daughters of God, you're free to be adopted. But it's going to be some relationship things going on. Everybody okay so far? Am I doing all right? You know, now, now that's my preaching sermon. But in my private personal devotion, I'm in the book of Psalm right now. Excuse me, I'm, I'm in the division of Psalm right now. And Psalm 50 says something very interesting. Psalm 50 said this. But to the wicked, God says, what right do you have to declare my statutes? Or take covenant in your mouth. God said to the wicked, now, now, okay, we're really going to go down here now. See, you don't have a problem with dealing with Sam Smith. He's white, devil worshiper, transgender. He way out there in left field. But let me deal with um, uh, uh, Jay-Z and um, uh, uh, Rick Ross. And uh, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, who? Lil Wayne. And it was the uh, light-skinned big guy. DJ Cali, that's right. They, they, they sung a song and said, God did it. I, I'm not too sure God did that. See, we've gotten so comfortable now. Um, uh, who's the light-skinned guy of Canada uh, with the dark hair? Maybe with the hair, hair like him. Drake. Yeah, Drake. Uh, so Drake uh, wrote a song, uh, God's Plan or God's Way. Uh, what is that song, Brother Crawford, you listen to again? Um, <laughs> Make it so he wait, right? But God something. God's, God's something. God's plan. Thank you, boy. I, I knew you would know. God's plan. So wait a minute now. You could be new, lewd, and crude, and cuss, and fuss, and degrade women, and do everything, and make billions of dollars, and little Wayne, and everybody else. And, but yet, now you're writing gospel songs. Didn't Snoop Dogg have an album that was almost a top chart hit? It was a gospel album from Snoop Dogg while he's smoking weed and, 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 and singing the praises of the Lord at the same time? You say, well, I feel like getting high myself. We may feel like that way, but we know there's a standard, and the saints should not, saints should not be smoking weed. I know we go through some stressful times, and I know, my God, it'd be some anxiety moments, and I'm telling you right now, I'm be like, Lord, if secondhand smoke had any type of value right about now, but we ought not be smoking no weed, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but the point I'm making is this, here's how bad things, and some of y'all still ain't laughing. Even with the mask on, I can tell you're not laughing. The point I'm making is this, there was a day Go back to Ray Charles' movie. There was a day sinners knew they were sinners. And they knew they were not going to cross that line. But now, some of those popular, highly requested songs have all to do with God. God's plan, Drake. God did it. Grammys this past. And the Bible says, but to the wicked God says, what right do you have to declare my word? 
How is it that you could take my covenant in your mouth, seeing that you hate instruction, and cast my words behind you? This guy talking here, Psalm 50, verse 18. When you saw a thief, you consented with him. And you've been a partaker with the adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue flames deceit or frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you've done and I, excuse me, watch it, listen. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but God says, but I will rebuke you and I will set them in order right before your eyes. The academic and theological word is the word syncretism. It's where you take a little bit of right and a little bit of wrong and mix it together and blend it for the people. There has to be a line drawn in the sand. And it's not enough for us to be bent and not in it. It's not enough to be neutral and I don't want to bend nobody. Listen, your life as a Christian is offensive all in itself. Have you not realized yet the fact that you named Christ as your Lord and Savior, the fact that you are a man or woman of God who took a stand, that alone puts you at enmity with the world. So here you are trying to ride the fence and please everybody, and I don't want to be cancel culture or culture cancel. You, you were cancel culture when the blood was streamed on that cross for your sins. Let me, let me, let me. And so this agenda pure, demonic, aggressive, no shame, nonstop, not only in the quote-unquote far-right white community, in our own subtle undercurrent black community. And we're wondering what's wrong with our kids and grandkids. Let's go to our text this morning. I'm going to find somewhere to close this message. In 2 Timothy this morning, this is not the Paul's first letter to Timothy. This is his second letter to Timothy. This is called a pastoral, excuse me, this is called a prison correspondence. Paul writes this letter from prison. It may not have been the high max prisons we see on TV today in the documentaries, but somewhere in a halfway house sort of type of, you know, free visitors coming and going a little bit here and there, still on lockdown, but yet he's able to write, he's able to reflect. Paul writes to his son, Timothy, the protege. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men and find men who are able to teach other men, by the way, right? Goes on to say, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier in Christ. But no one engages in war, entangles himself uh, with the affairs of this. I know you got to go to work. I know you and your wife got issues. I know you got a son or a daughter right now who ain't trying to live right. I know you got some issues in your body. My God, I know right now you got more month at the end of money, the money at the end of the month. I know right now you're the last hide in the first fire and stuff is going on. But you got to find a way to stay focused in doing things for the Lord without being entangled. Notice the word entangled. Without being entangled with the yoke of bondage or entangled with the affairs of this life. Yes, life gets in the way. Yes, life happens. But you got to find a way to stay focused in his kingdom, and in the gospel, and in the church. And this is why I know you get tired of me doing this, but I can't help but thank these volunteers because they got life too. They got kids and grandkids and bills to pay and, 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 and stress and anxieties and all type of stuff they're trying to put together. But somehow or another, they find a way to make it happen for the church. 
while others will sit right back, fold their arms, and wait for somebody to serve them. Same church, same people, same cause. But then you wonder why some people just get blessed over and over and over. They just, every time you turn around, they get blessed. They get favored. God's hand is on them. It seems like every time you turn around, something good happens for them. Why? Because they've committed to God's work. And God makes a promise that I will not fail them nor leave them. He is not forgetful of your labors of love. He is not needing of reminders of the things you've done for his house. So don't let the affairs, can I talk please freely? Don't let the affairs of this life be an excuse of why you can't serve in God's house. May I say that again? Don't let the, I gotta work overtime. I gotta work. You don't have to work overtime. You chose to work overtime. You know why? Because in your head, you think you need more money than you need the word of God. If you get the word of God, and if you find yourself serving in the house of God, God will give you one idea that'll write up that whole employment. He will favor you to be at the right place at the right time to meet the right person, or you may be somewhere and God will drop a revelation and an epiphany in your spirit, and the next thing you know, you are off to your entrepreneurial successes. Now, I was joking this morning, I was having no fun with you this morning, but I did wake up saying, God, why has it got to rain on Sunday, these last four or five Sundays out to six? I literally said that, and, and, and I, then I had to go repent and say, God, forgive me, because that's flesh. But I really do believe the Holy Ghost said, listen, I can stir the hearts of people to do more in rain than in the middle of the summer and the weather's perfect. Yeah. Seems like we can't catch a break. But may I remind you why you listen to this good music? <laughs> That God is still on the throne. And no matter what seems like maybe going against you in life, as long as God is still God, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what faith he's building in your situation. and knows exactly how to reward you. So stay the course, stay focused, and keep believing God. Let's get back on target right here. I need to finish this message real quick. And so I want to read this one more time. But now I want to read it out of the New Living Version because it just kind of makes it a little bit more personable and real. Stay with me. This is going to bless you. My son, throw yourself into the work for Christ. Pass on what you've heard from me. The whole congregation is saying amen. To reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. I saw that yesterday. I saw a room full of dynamic men and women that I would stand up against any teacher in this city. And not because they've got this degree, or they've got this certification, or they've got this look. You know what? Because they've been through life's school of universities. They've been through the school of hard knocks. They've been to hell and back. And yet every certificate they'll ever need to teach out of pain, out of experience, they know how to be high in success, but they know how to be humble with humility through the low seasons of life. And I believe that they're going to reach people that I will never reach. They're qualified to go into circles and, and, and platforms that I can only have dreamt of. Paul says, Teach, find these men and women mm -hmm, who are reliable, who are competent to teach others. Listen closely, verse 3. When the going gets rough, take it on the chin with the rest of us the way Jesus did. A soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in the making deals at, excuse me, a soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in the rest 
are in the making deals at the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out orders. An athlete who refuses to play by the rules would never get anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, play by the rules. If you're going to do it, we got to do it God's way. That's the real deal. I want to leave you with four things. Four is the max of points. <laughs> I think we should be using when it comes to points and principles. I want you to be strong in God's grace. Commit to training others. Endure obstacles and do it God's way. Give me about six, seven minutes. I want to break all of these down. But I want to take a halftime break and give you a halftime thought. If you, if you have a pen nearby, if you can use a pen, I want you to write these three thoughts down. Okay? If you don't have a pen, put these notes in your phone in the notes section. And I want you to remind yourself of these three things. Because this is my personal commentary. I, I know we said yesterday in our teaching class, we should give the word no personal commentary. But I want to give my personal commentary. Okay? Time management. When you look at the Bill Belichick's, when you look at the Tom Landry's, you look at the, 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 the various coaches, basketball, football, baseball, soccer, whatever the sport or the contest might have been. One of the most underestimated values was time management. They knew exactly what to do, when to do it, and when not to do it in a game. My question to you today, my brothers and sisters, is how is your time management right now? Because we have a tendency to put too much time in social media and TV and gossip and on the phone than the things that should be producing a glorious, beautiful, and delicious future for us as men and women of God. If we put just as much time reading the Bible as we read social media strands, I think we'd be a little bit more biblically literate. If we start picking up a, a, a business journal or an entrepreneurial blog, like we want to look at gossip and who did this and who did that on the scandal websites, I think we'd be a little bit more sharper as men and women, right? Stay with me now, stay with me. If we would put more time with our families, like we spend time with everybody else's families, right? Maybe our kids would have a chance or our grandkids would have a chance in this heritage of the gospel. What is your time management? See, we all want to be bosses. We call each other kings and queens and, yeah, boss, yeah, boss. Well, the people who understand success as millionaires and billionaires, they understand the principle of the 5 a.m. club. And some understand the principle of the 4 a.m. club. They understand that they can get more work done before 7 a.m. than most of us get all day long. You know why? Because we want to stay up in Netflix and binge all night and, expect, and don't get up to 12 noon. Well, by 12 noon, half the business of the, of the world has been done for the day. And you are Johnny late to the scene. I'm talking about time management. And speaking of time management, this corporate world is designed to rob you of most of your time so you can't interview anywhere else. You don't have any creative time. You cannot explore with innovation and ingenuity. And so you're dog tired after every work day and every work week. So you stay in this rut for 40 years and all you have at the end is a nice watch with the company seal on the watch. Time management. Number two, halftime adjustments. Every one of us, not every, but, but uh, let me just take a look. There's a lot of us in this room. We have lived longer than we're going to live. Right? Now, I know you think there's a fountain of youth out there, and you're still trying to, you, you know, you, you 65, 70 years old trying to date a girl who's 25, and she's going to make you young. But you will be reminded one way or the other, you're still 75. You can wear your shirt down and unbutton them down to the last button, let, your, let all the gold chains hang out, and wear your, all your rings and all your jewelry, but your hairline is still receding. 
Say what you want. Age and time waits on no man. I'm just talking to the men. I let my wife get up here. She'll talk to the women, talk about how time can remind every woman that time waits on no man or woman. But the reality is this. Most of us, I shouldn't say most, that wouldn't be right. Some of us in this room have a little longer than we're going to live. And you know what? We've not taken time for a halftime adjustment. Let's go back to Bill Belichick in the, in the, in the Patriots versus the Falcons. I don't know what, that's, gosh, two, I don't remember what year it was, but whatever year it was, 28-3, halftime? Oh, what's this? That's, that's, I mean, this thing is a wrap. Somebody made some halftime adjustments. And what seemed to be impossible and uh, insurmountable was reversed. May I submit to every one of you all, if you'd pause, go on vacation, take a sabbatical, take some time off, of, I don't know what they call them these days, but you know what I'm trying to say, take, take a leave of absence for a couple of weeks if you have to. Don't quit. Whatever you do, please don't quit. Don't do that. Take a leave of absence legally. But you need a halftime break. Go and reassess who are you? What have these current life's challenges molded you into becoming now? Because the truth of the matter is who you are today may not be who you were 20 years ago because of certain things in your life. Where is your passion, your purposes? What gets you up in the morning and, and, and excites you with expectation? And what just drains the devil out of you? You need to pause because right now, if you don't do this, it ain't going to get done. Half time adjustments. And I'm talking to every one of you right now. Make some halftime adjustments. Write them down. And say, you know what, I'm, I don't care if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80. It's not too late to make some halftime adjustments. Because you can still live the rest of your life, the best of your life. I don't care if you are 99 years old. Because if you look, there are people now in their 80s and 90s. And they will testify that they are doing better then than they've ever done because they tap into something after an adjustment. And it's not too late. Third, finally, use of time outs. You gotta pause. Yeah, slow it down. I forgot how the statement goes, but every day you should divert. Every day you should divert from what you're doing. Every day, find something to divert. I don't care if it's breaking down boxes, <laughs> if it's planting, trimming plants, if it's, if it's, if it's pulling hair out your nose with a tweezer, do something to divert. Just do something. All right? Weekly, withdraw. And annually, abandon. There should be some type of cadence that forces you to tap out. Because you're going to need the physical, the mental, and the emotional rest. A lot of our sicknesses in our bodies is the fact that we're not rested. We're not healthy because we're so busy on that proverbial hamster cage going round and round and round and we're burning and burning and burning the wheels. And you know, sometimes God has to help you get that rest. We don't want to, but sometimes he puts us in a hospital for a few days or he lays us off that job. and We don't know why. You need to reset some things. Guys, I need to give you these things and I'm finished. That was just my little personal part. But um, here are the four things I want to leave you with. Let's go back to 2 Timothy real quick. Here's what Paul tells Timothy. Number one, it's game time. Be strong in his grace. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace. That's in Christ Jesus. Guys, I got three minutes left and I'm finished. You cannot be strong in your own. 
You can only be strong in the grace of God. The Bible says he gives grace for every good work. If it's a business, if it's a ministry, if it's a marriage, if it's your child, if it's health, if it's recovery, if it's therapy, God will give you a grace for every good work. You can only be strong in his grace. It's game time. Number two, be the QB on the field. Be the quarterback on the field and commit to training others. The reason Patrick Mahomes is in the, play, in, the, in the Super Bowl, I think for the second, not third time, is because he's a quarterback of quarterbacks. He can improvise on the field. I'm not a Pat, Pat McK- uh, I'm not a, uh, what his name is, Dan. I'm just saying he has displayed at a young age the ability to make himself on the field because he's training others in the process. You, my brothers and sisters, Paul says, Timothy, and the things you've heard from me among witnesses, commit to faithful men who have the ability to duplicate themselves. That's the goal we're here at the church. I'm trying to find men who are influential enough who can do what I do to them and they can do to other men. Because I get tired. I'm tired. I get very tired. My mind continues to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on because I'm always thinking, how can we do this? How can we do that? And I want to be the rest of the time and say, God, I just want to please give me five, ten men who, can, who are proactive in their thinking as well. And we have them. Don't get me wrong. I love and I appreciate every one of men. Of the, but, that, but when we're about to go, it's going to be more men and women who can think this thing through from a marketing point of view, from a logistics point of view, from an events planning point of view, from a discipleship point of view, from an educational point of view, because I know the harvest is plenteous. But God give us some men and women who are able to train and teach and model and mentor. I've been pastoring 28 years, 29 come September. 30, if the Lord delay is coming, September after next. And you know what I thought about yesterday? I got 10 more years of pastoring at best. I don't want to pastor 40 years of the church. I don't. I don't. I want to be emeritized. I want to see this next tier and this tier of pastors in general. And I want to, I want them to take the whole campus. And if it ain't here, Metro Ron, somewhere in this region, I want them to take the acreage and the building, and I want them to impact a community. And I want to be able to sit back and watch it online with my wife and my kids, man, my grandbabies, and maybe some great grandbabies. I don't want to do 10 years from now what I'm doing right now. And I pray you don't want to be doing 10 years from now what you're doing right now. Number three, it's the fourth quarter. It's a four-quarter game. You've got to endure the obstacles and the obstructions of life. It ain't how you start. It's how you finish. Games are won in the fourth quarter. Games are won in the fourth quarter. My brothers and sisters, we're in the fourth quarter. We're in the fourth quarter. We're in the fourth quarter. Time is winding up. Time. I know we all think we're going to live a thousand years. But time is winding up. I'm going to be respectful of your intelligence and not say too much. Because I know the temptation and the, and the pull to try to pull a little apolo- uh, uh, apocalyptic terminologies that kind of scare you all up. I wouldn't dare insult your intelligence. But I'm going to be honest with you. When they shot down uh, unidentified object number three this past week, it got me to thinking. It got me to thinking. Because of everything else that Justin said was right, <laughs> and all this other futuristic stuff, 
and witnessing too many scientific movies like E.T. And, and, and Third Encounter of the Close Kind, third, I mean, Close Encounter of the Third Kind, and uh, we didn't see too much of that to say to ourselves, what if we wake up and there are 2,000 objects in the sky? And they may not be from China. And please forgive me if I'm insulting your intelligence when I say stuff like this. I don't mean any harm. I don't mean any harm. But our world is experiencing a phenomenon. And I think our government is trying as hard as to keep it under wraps. Could be nothing. I pray it is. I pray it is. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. You let another 10, 15, 20 unidentified objects get shot down. Everybody be in church tonight. Forget the Super Bowl. It'll be the biggest prayer meeting in, in, in America. 6 p.m. tonight. Her will be coming back to Philadelphia to be at his altar on the next flight coming out of Philadelphia. I can tell you right now. Time is getting short. And it's time to be focused on the Lord. Here's my fourth point and I'm finished. Play by the rules. Do it God's way. And if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Would you stand to your feet? I want everyone to understand that this, this life we live, it is considered and it can be compared to any game that you're familiar with. I don't care if it's a video game, a physical game, a mental game. The reality is there are offenses, there are defenses, there are strategies, there are moves, there are decisions. And um, <laughs> when time is up, time is up. We're blessed and there's a little mercy if there's some overtime given. You know who was given overtime? Hezekiah. Because last we checked with Hezekiah, he was going to die. And the prophet prayed, and God said, okay, I'm going to give you 15 more years. I'm going to give you two overtime periods. Get it right. And he took advantage of it. But my brothers and sisters, time waits on no man. We got to be getting on with God's business and his plans. 